1: where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Doc G, and you're listening to the Earn and Invest Podcast. How many of us complain that no one understands our interest in personal finance? When we bring up early retirement, our friends and family stare incredulously. That's impossible. They might think it even if they don't say it. But what if you had a partner in crime to travel this road with you? A brother, a twin. Stephen Boyer is the founder and creator of Camp Phi, a series of immersive financial independence meetups across the United States. And David Boyer, his brother, is the force behind phyology.com, as well as the Philology Workbook, which features a 52-lesson course that introduces you to the concepts behind financial independence. Stephen and David, welcome to Earn and Invest. It's great to have you back. Stephen, I have to start with you. I've been dying to ask this question, which one of you is older? I know you guys are twins, but who came
0: out first? Well, we're, we can only go by what our parents tell us. I am apparently the older one by 12 minutes. 12 whole minutes, David. And, and is, is that
1: fit personality wise? Is he like always bossing you around and telling you what to do?
0: Always. <laughs> no, it's probably the other way around. Unfortunately, I'm sure he doesn't appreciate it all the time. Yeah, I would agree. Not that he's bossy, but that over, over our time of our life that he, uh, it seems like he would be the older one. That's why I say we have to just trust our parents because it seems like real life, he seems like he'd be the older one.
1: Yeah. He always kind of took control of situations and was more the leader when it came to you, too. Yeah. He seemed, yeah, I would say so. So, David, was it you who originally became interested in personal finance and financial independence, or was it Stephen?
0: I think those are two different questions. The first question being, was, I, the first person to get involved in personal finance. I don't, I think we both came, we both were always naturally inclined to do that. And we were, we both read books. We shared books when we were early on in our adulthood or even probably late teens. But when it comes to personal or the financial independence, Stephen was definitely the first one who, he's the one that introduced me to the financial independence community. And he invited me to a camp mustache in 2016 in May, in which my daughter and I and a friend of ours, that was our first foray, foray into what it meant to be part of the financial independence community. When we first got there, I didn't know who anyone was. But by the end of that weekend, uh, we had become a pretty good friends or associates with many of some go-to names in the financial independence community and having their support throughout the years, I think has helped both of our endeavors. But Stephen is with the first one. He's probably the, the most passionate person to want to drive and help bring financial independence to many other people. Stephen, tell us a little bit about that. So you
1: kind of both were interested in personal finance. How did that segue into
0: financial independence? Where did you first hear about it from? Uh financial independence. I don't remember exactly how I heard it first, but I do remember coming across the early early retirement extreme book and also the Mr. Money Mustache blog around the same time. I don't remember which one was first. And I do believe once I found the Mr. Money Mustache blog, I forwarded it a link or two to David and said, Hey, check this out. So I don't I don't remember, you know, some people have stories where they were looking for how do I get out of my job or how do I retire early or, you know, getting out of the rat race. But I never, I don't remember doing anything like that. And I honestly don't remember how I, I mean, it was just a stumble. I don't remember how I came across, you know, the financial independence community initially. David,
1: did you feel like He was a little bit crazy. I mean, you guys, I think both started in the military, right? And didn't sound like either of you were per se burned out in your careers. When he sent this email to you saying, hey, check this thing out, this financial
0: independence. What were your first thoughts? My first thought was finally an X's and O's solution to all of the hints that you got along the way. But finally, once you read the shockingly simple math, by Mr. Money Mustache they just kind of put everything into a black and white formula equation. It was the aha moment that all of the data that you read through books, it gave a particular objective and a very clear linear path to get there mathematically. And I think that clarity is what the financial independence community brings to the personal financial community across the board and i think that's why i personally i believe that financial independence is an ultimate truth versus all of the other personal finance media that we we see out there because it's very very clear.
1: Stephen talk about that moment when you saw the shockingly simple math. We're talking about one of the most famous Mr. Money Mustache posts from his blog that really explains the 4% rule and what 25 times mean. It's basically Uh, a one-paragraph Bible for how you save enough to be financially independent. Do you remember what it felt like to read that post?
0: Yeah, it felt great. And the word, the keyword, one of the keywords you just said was enough. And so what, to me, you know, David mentioned the clarity that the financial independence brings to the broader personal finance community is that that we can define what enough is now based on that 4% rule and the 25 times annual spending you know before it was just you should save for some future date and save some kind of unclear amount maybe 10% maybe 15% maybe 8% and just if you do those things then you'll be able to reach retirement at some point maybe in your 50s or 60s so one thing that that article really does again it provides that clarity it 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 defines what enough is and so you know that there is a money finish line. So once you can sort of put your constraints or put in a box, sort of your financial life or financial being, then it, it makes it more um, not attainable, but makes it where you can handle it a little bit more and, and, and you have some peace about it. And then once you have that taken care of and that just frees up bandwidth to you know, go towards the more uh, important things in life. David, often when we
1: talk about personal finance and especially about financial independence, we talk about this idea of spousal buy-in, right? Getting your spouse on board with this new superpower you've developed. But it's not just your spouse. It's really your friends and your family. Often someone like one of us delves into the internet. We find out about, hey, there's this thing called financial independence. Maybe we can retire early And everyone looks at us like we're crazy. Was it easier, David, for you guys to do this together? It was like you had someone already to share immediately this idea,
0: someone who kind of got it the way you did. Absolutely. And for us specifically, it wasn't, we've always had that. If one of us had a good idea or we thought was a good idea, we would always reach out to the other person, either throw darts at it, uh, figure out. You know, what's going on with it most of the time it came out to be a much better product once we got done with it whatever that idea or thought was and, and we learned from each other but to have a comrade in arms so to speak on the way to personal finance and especially in the context of our own lives because we are familiar with each other's lives i think that value that that brings is immeasurable when other things in your life are challenging you along that path to reach that objective it's really great to able to just text or call, or just know that that person's right there in your corner.
1: Steven, that's an interesting idea, right? To have kind of that support. Do you think that helped you figure out your finances faster? Just the fact that you and David could bounce these ideas off each other and and kind of build together?
0: I think so. I think so, yeah. And, uh, And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I've been lucky enough to benefit from having someone that is like-minded my whole life. You know, not a lot of people get that benefit. And so, you know, since high school, we so David and I both sort of went our separate ways, you know, college and military and all that. And I don't think that we've lived in the same state, you know, for 20 years now. So so in a way, you know, we are just a phone call or a text away. But the, but the camaraderie, like you said, a comrade or, or having that, like you say, the support group, or, or that support system. That's really important, and I always had it, but I know that a lot of people don't have it, so that's one of the reasons why Like I really work towards trying to build the community and making the community accessible to as many people as possible in real life. We experienced that firsthand whenever we went to that first Camp Mustache up in Seattle back in 2016, and it was just such a good experience, so I wanted to continue continue that for for people all over the country, not just people who might be, you know, local to the Pacific Northwest. David, it's interesting when Steven says camaraderie,
1: you know, I'm reminded of the role I feel like you guys play in the financial independence community. Both of you have very distinct roles, Stephen with Camp Fi and you with Fiology.com. But it rings true that It seems like you're trying to bring some of this similar relationship you have with each other as brothers and build that relationship out in the world, in the community. Talk to me a little bit about why you started Phyology, David.
0: Phyology began because I don't know how many conversations, and Stephen has probably experienced this as well, as many others who stumble upon financial independence and wonder where to send people. I found myself saying, go to this person for real estate, go to that person for index investing, go to this person for lifestyle stuff. But I didn't see anything that provided a step-by-step framework that covered all of the things that Steve and I had learned in, since we had been part of the financial independence community. So what Philology provides is a framework of the concepts of financial independence according to... Stephen and I, and a few others, who brainstormed on how to put this thing together. And we wanted to use the content and the creations of those who are already out there, the same people that we've gained insight from. And we wanted to format it in such a way that if someone came to us wanting to learn more about financial independence, we can have one resource and just say, hey, go to Phiology, check it out. And then if they're newbies, they could just start from the very first lesson and go all the way through. And it's over the course of a year, bite-sized chunks, but each concept goes into depth just as much as anybody wants to go in. And not every concept will be bring the same value to someone in the context of their own lives, but it does provide a metered approach to what could seem overwhelmingly from the outside looking in with someone with little or no background in personal finance or financial independence.
1: What David is talking about is some of the tactical steps specifically of how you go about building your financial independence plan, so to speak. Stephen, you started the Camp Fi's, which I think are very similar, at least modeled after Camp Mustache. It sounds like mindset was really important to you as well as community when you were putting this event together
0: like i said earlier whenever we went to camp mustache back in 2016 after we left there was no like feeling i think that i'd had before that that was similar it was just something very empowering something very like energizing and motivating to be around 50 people who really had no they weren't trying to get anything from you they just wanted to sit get to know you share ideas tell you about their life And I mean, it was just such a laid back, just enjoyable weekend uh, with a lot of really smart people too. And who are just doing so many different things. There's no cookie cutter fire life. And when you go to these events and you just talk to five different people, you're going to get five completely different life situations. So the fact that this financial, this message of financial independence can reach anyone, no matter what, what type of lifestyle you have, that's. You know, a powerful thing. And so here I am, a Georgia boy down here on the southeastern side of the country, flew all the way up to the Pacific Northwest for this event that at the time it was only one per year. So I had I I left. I thought, you know, there is absolutely has to be more demand for this type of an experience than just 50 people per year. So, you know, we did one in the southeast with the permission of the then organizers of the Camp Mustache. They 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 supported me in doing Camp Mustache Southeast in January of 2017. And then after that, I was like, man, this was great. Now we have the Northwest covered. We have the Southeast covered. Let's see how many other regions we can cover. As you might guess, that's quite an undertaking. And at the time, the other organizers um, of Camp Mustache just, you know, they, they didn't feel like they could take that on at that time. So I just changed the name and then kind of took it on myself. David, one thing I've noticed is that both with Phiology and with
1: Camp Phi, I feel like you guys play a major role in the financial independence community. And yet I don't ever hear you talk about your own finances very much. David, are you financially independent? And why don't you really talk about that? You know, some of the bigger influences influencers in this field are very upfront about being financial independent and the wonderful life they're living because of it. and And I don't hear you talking either of you really talking much about that.
0: So if someone were to ask me, I would gladly share, because I think we can learn from everybody's particular situations. Yes, I'm financially independent. I've recently retired from the military as of April 1st of this year, 2021. So I'll have, I do have a pension and I have rental income from a handful of paid off properties in middle Georgia. So that covers my living expenses as well as I do have what I consider just the sleep well at night fund, my thrift savings plan. I don't plan on accessing that anytime soon. Just That's just to be left in there to grow long-term. But as far as people sharing or not sharing their numbers, one thing I, that I do think gets a little lost in all of the blogging and all of the podcasting and all of the Facebook feeds is that every single person is unique. So who knows how many eyes are on? So And that's the that's the odd way to look at it, right? Like you want to help people and you want to provide direction and specific instruction, but at the same time, if you give them your numbers, then they might use that to judge their own progress. Their enough might be different than your enough. And then judgment starts happening. And then am I doing things right? Are they doing it right? And it kind of gets messy. So for those people who do share their numbers, I commend them. I admire that. That's fine. I think a lot of value can come from that. But in general, I think it's more about each individual, where they are right now in their life, what is their goal, and that will change over time, and what can you do to support that. So rather than share all of my particular information, which I'm glad to at a personal level, then I would much rather try to understand someone else's context and try to provide value where I can in, in their context.
1: Stephen, do you share some of David's reticence about talking about specific numbers, et cetera, in larger groups?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely in larger groups. I mean, as you know, Doc, you've seen me in groups. I'm not the out front, look at me type. I'm kind of the back of the room, just sit back and observe type. You know, with these camps, I've done 23 camps now. I haven't spoken. I've been a featured speaker at any of them. I think that I might have a lot to offer as a talk, but. Personally, you know, one, I just don't want the camps to be about me. I don't want to be the focal point. It's more about the community and some of the uh, featured voices that come and, and step up to, to share like you do, like you have occasionally and like you're going to in the upcoming Camp 5 Midwest. So looking forward to that. But, but no, so that's not really my personality to be out front and to, to share a lot of personal details, you know, for those people who are interested in my personal finances you know, without giving any numbers, I'll say that once I found the Phi community, it was during. It's probably seven or eight years ago, during a, during a divorce, and I have kids, and so at that time I was trying to sort of gain a footing, see what the future looked like, shape my life how I thought that I wanted it to to look, and prioritizing time with my children was pretty much the absolute number one thing on my mind at the time, and so once. I found the FI community and made some, like we down, I down when the had to divorce, I downsized. My cost of living went down. I had decent, I'm an accountant by background and I worked with a defense contractor, made decent money. So, so the money, you know, accumulated rather quickly. And over a couple of years, I realized I could make a change. I have some flexibility. And some people call it "fu" money, but to me, it wasn't like that. I enjoyed my job. It was more about just creating some time to spend with the kids. So at the time, I think they were seven and four right now they're 15 and 12. And so at the time I just made a decision, you know, I can work. My plan was quit my job. I could spend summers and fall with the kids, summers with the kids and fall and then work at a CPA firm with a friend of mine during tax season. And then that would be a nice schedule while my kids are growing up and that would have been, been fine. And even if I spent down to zero at the point, my youngest turned 18 and went to college, then that'd be fine. I could just go and find a friend's couch and get a job and and save up a bunch of money again. So to me, that's kind of the way I looked at it. You know, it's I'm not 100% percent fi or anything like that, but, but uh, right now that's not my main priority. And so Since then, luckily, I really haven't spent down much of my savings because some passion projects have made a few dollars and I still maximize time with the kids and I'm 100% uh, accessible and available to them. And I think I'm a much better parent because of that. So to me, that's a priority once they get grown or just don't want to hang out with me that much anymore. I'll look into making some more money if if I need to. And I think once you discover financial independence and you get the finances and that mindset and the mentality of you have an objective and you have the power to actually do things in your life to achieve that objective, that empowerment or mindset, you can you then use that in other aspects of your life, whether it's shaping a lifestyle or whether it's weight reduction or just the belief that if you take action, smart, intentional action consistently over time, you can, really shape a life and design a life that you think can make you happy and if you get to that point and it doesn't then you're still in feeling power that you can just do it again and, and try to improve your life and, life and i try to look forward to every day
1: we are talking to Stephen and david boyer the brothers Phi. we're going to take a short break i'm doc g and this is earn and invest Do you ever find investing daunting? I certainly did when I first began, and that's why I'm excited to introduce you to public.com. There you can invest in companies you believe in, share your insights on why you like a stock, and build your portfolio with confidence. The app is incredibly easy to use. It took only a few minutes to download it, and once I did, I was buying and selling. They even offer fractional shares, so it's possible with as little as $1, you could get started today. On public.com, you can choose from thousands of stocks and ETFs to grow your portfolio. Use code EAI when you download the app to let public.com know you're coming from the earn and invest podcast, and you'll get up to $50 in free stock to get started in growing your portfolio. Free stock, I can't think of a better way to begin. Valid for U.S. residents 18 and older, subject to account approval, see public.com slash disclosures. This is not investment advice. We are talking to Stephen Boyer, the creator of Camp Phi, and David Boyer from com. David, Stephen said a moment ago, he prefers to be at the back of the room. And I think I've described both of you as two of the most important people in the financial independence movement that you probably don't know. Is being at the back of the room something you guys do on purpose? I've seen that you don't normally throw yourself out there to get the attention when we're in kind of public forums.
0: I don't think we frame it in that way. I think we each have objectives that we want to achieve inside the Phi community. And if that means that one or both of us step out of our comfort level and do something like give us go on a podcast tour or write more blog posts or be a featured speaker at one of the main events across the country, I think we would be willing to do that. But we do know ourselves and we know what we think our particular roles in for our objectives of it. And then I think we put our energy there to where we feel that we can best get there uh, efficiently and within, within some level of comfort as well. So uh, there's a lot of great personalities out there speaking. You're one of them. There are so many. Yes, I think we probably have some valuable things to share, but we do. And if people want to hear them after they listen to this podcast, they'll know where to find us.
1: Stephen David was talking about some of those personalities that are a little bit more upfront and center. I'm thinking of Tanya Hester of Our Next Life. She recently put a blog out that said, The fire movement, financial independence, retire early. The fire movement is dead. Talk to me about how you think fire has evolved over the last few years. Is it changing? Is it growing?
0: Is it dead? No, it's not dead, but I, I don't want to discount. You know, her article title, you know, I'd be interested to read it and see if that's really what she's saying in the article or not. But I would say, no, it's not dead. I mean, you're always going to have people who are, well, I guess as long as you have people who are unhappy, who are not doing as well financially, who don't have the knowledge or the support system to uh, make progress uh, in their financial lives, then the fire movement and fire uh, is going to be alive and well you know, fire, fire movement was dead. We wouldn't have people con- continuously attending camp fires or camp mustaches or FinCon or any of the other retreats or, or events. So no, it's not dead as far as like the absolute number of people who are part of the fire movement. If that's growing or shrinking, I have no idea. But then again, something else to think about is, you know, the, the fire movement if you want to call it that, is it's something that touches one aspect of someone's life. And then if they jump in and then they meet some people, maybe it touches like more of a social aspect of their life. But you know, life is comprised of a lot of different things. And so people will go in and out of the movement, or I guess if you you know, to me, it just seems like to think of it as like this. This thing that stays the same with the same people throughout time, to me, that's not really like a great way to look at the fire movement. I look at it like it's just sort of a transition period where you don't know about it and then you do. And then if you choose to do something with it, then the great, if not, then that's okay. But then you just go on with your life. So to me, as long as you're putting good information out there, Tanya Hester, she's probably getting plenty of traffic to her sites and to her blog and and. You know, I think she's just finished a book that might be coming out soon. Her second book, as far as I, I think.
1: Um, it's her third, actually. Yeah.
0: Her third. Okay. So, so I mean, hopefully it's not dead because, you know, I'd like to see her sell some books and, and everything. So, you know, it could just be clickbaity. I'm not sure, but I'd be interested to read that article and see what she's talking about. David, what about the pandemic? I mean, has it changed the fire community? Has it changed the way we do things? No, I think throughout the pandemic, people either refocused because they had the time and a little bit more time. Maybe they didn't, they had the two hour commute every day they didn't have to take, or they just worked from home and they were around their family more. Things changed. People's perspective of things changed. So I think people learned a lot, but as far as the financial independence movement and how the pandemic affected it, or those who were trying to go through fire, I think those who who are on their path to financial independence probably recognize some of the same habits that they may be honed a little bit more during a pandemic if they had a job loss or a reduction in income or an additional challenge in their life that maybe is not financially related but had to learn how to creatively overcome it many of those same tenets and habits are what you hone over a longer period of time on a financial independence journey for those people who are now maybe went through tough times. And I believe a report just came out now that unemployment's again, uh, or the amount of people who are filing for unemployment is at the lowest post-pandemic. And that's great. But as people regain employment, hopefully their salaries are increasing. And then maybe those some of those habits that they learned over the last year and a half will reach forward. And then maybe that person, because of the habits developed, be able to Feel more confidently in investing that difference or that growth, or they'll be more more focused on the value-based spending.
1: Stephen, I'd ask you the same question. Do you think the pandemic changed the fundamentals at all of what we do in financial independence or what young people will be doing today?
0: I don't think so, not at all. Because you know, as David stated earlier, it's sort of just a formula. You know, financial independence is a linear formula that people can apply and use as peace of mind and, and some guardrails and give some foundation or some structure to, you know, how they deal with their money. The pandemic doesn't change the fact that we need money, that we use money, that we spend money, that we make money. You know, there, there are other areas that the pandemic affected, I'm sure, you know, micro and macro impacts that we're going to see over the next few years. Some things have accelerated, I believe, you know, for example, working from home and using technology. We're doing this podcast on Zoom, you know, uh, a lot more business meetings are happening on Zoom now. So, so we're going to see some acceleration of some changes that were going to happen anyway. It's just instead of taking 10 years, it might take two now. So, you know, we're going to have a, as a workforce, I think that we have a little bit more leverage to demand certain things from our employers. I don't know that money necessarily is one of those things, but so, that, so that's what I'm saying. You know, the financial side of it, I don't think it's changed much at all. Other than some of us might've found out we like to cook. (laughs) So we might save some money on that instead of going out to eat as much. But no, the the pandemic affected a lot of other things. But as far as financial independence, I I don't think that it really is gonna have a long-term impact. Just wondering, you mentioned that some of those levers might have
1: changed with employers, but money was not one of them. What levers do you think are changing?
0: I think one of the levers is going to be the work-life balance. You know, Before, and it's something that we've talked about Different times throughout the in meetings with in person at camps or or I think even you know, I'm sure there's a lot of blog posts and things within the Phi community about quality of life issues. It's not all about the money. There's a lot of other things that are really important. Well, now the fact that technology, the use of technology has accelerated some of these changes or will in the future, in the near future, I think it's allowing us a little bit more leverage to request things like work from home, to request. I don't know what else there would be, but work from home so that, you know, you can have more of a work-life balance. Unfortunately for podcasters, you know, less of the commute, and less downloads and less, less listens. Very true. You know, I'd be interested to hear how that's sort of rebounded since, since we've opened back up a little bit, but, but, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like overall, it's a good thing. As long as people are happier, man, I know that there's a big minimum wage, the big minimum wage push now, which wasn't part of a discussion a year ago. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, let's get this federal minimum wage going to $15, you know. And, you know, maybe it could be another aspect of, you know, I did say a minute ago that it wasn't necessarily money-wise or finances-wise. But one thing we did notice during the pandemic were which jobs really were essential. And it turns out a lot of the, quote, or a lot of the essential jobs, not quote, but a lot of the essential jobs are lower-paying jobs. So, maybe, with the realization that these jobs are essential, then those people working those jobs will be paid a little better here in the near future. David. One thing about the pandemic that seemed to at least
1: teach me was that the future is unknown. and it makes me wonder if people are moving away from the retire early aspect of the FIRE movement. So I think all of us are interested in financial independence. Do you think the pandemic pushed people away
0: from leaving their jobs? Well, I wanna mention about the RE part of FIRE. I think if it wasn't, if it didn't spell FIRE, I think the RE would have been dropped a long time ago. (laughs) Financial independence is the only thing people need to be focused on. RE is just a choice that people either make or don't make and that's an individual choice. So financial independence is a math problem and it provides people options along their life, the farther along they go and reach those milestones toward their enough number. The closer you go, the more ability you have to allow other things other than money to influence decision-making. And for those people who maybe found out that they didn't like their job very much, even though it was high paying, they found out they liked being at home and that it's okay for them to delay their official retirement date A year, five, 10 years, or even take it off the table altogether because they want to focus on doing something that they love and feel fulfilled. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's their life. People need to do it, make them happy.
1: Stephen, let's talk about the future of the fire movement. I, I remember going to Camp FI, especially the early Camp FIs, right? The conversations were really two or three main ones Am I financially independent? How do I travel hack? And should I be buying real estate? What are the conversations at Camp Fies like now? And what do you see them being about in the future?
0: Oh, you know, I, I will say that it seems like more and more a, a theme is more about just happiness and living a fulfilled life. It's not about let's speed to a number. It's not not even about like where are we, uh, you know, in on our fire journey, where are we in getting to this number? Um, that's not to diminish. The power of a number. And I think a lot of the power is just in knowing that when we get ready to, we can reach a number. We know how to do that now. And we have a pretty good way to do it. So what we're seeing now is a lot of people talking about just quality of life, just being happy, being very intentional about identifying their values and living consistently with them. and. Don't get me wrong. A lot of the people, you know, they do operate at a surplus and that gives a comfort level and it allows a net worth to be built. But right now, really, it's less about the X's and O's and more about how to live a good life.
1: Steven, do you think there's more talk about how to use the financial power that you got through financial independence to change the world?
0: I don't hear that. I don't hear that, and I'll tell you, I was surprised whenever I first joined the Phi community or joined the Phi community. When I first became part, I guess, of the Phi community and was exposed to it, I thought, "And this is a great community. Everybody's super generous, and they are, and they're super smart, and they are, and it's wonderful, and you can learn a lot from them." I assumed that that's why most people were pursuing Phi was so that once they define enough and they achieve enough whatever that is for them, then their surplus is used to make the world a better place. Their surplus being whether it's finances, um, you know, money, time, energy, resources, experience, any of those things, the things that are freed up once you have reached a certain degree of financial independence. So what I've learned though, is I think it's about 50, 50, you know, and that's, you know, there's people who enjoy the game people who enjoy the accumulation and, and just for the sake of doing it. And it's not a majority necessarily who are out just to do this, to make the world a better place. It's not as altruistic as I thought it initially was, but I would think it's probably about 50, 50, maybe 60, 40 altruistic to not. And, you know, again, people change. Maybe somebody is at a certain stage in their life where they feel like they need to do it for this reason. And then at some point, it might open up and then they change. But still, it's the five framework that allows someone to explore all of that for themselves. One thing I've seen, I've gone to a handful of camp myself. And regarding the age, I'd say some of the younger people really do enjoy jumping into spreadsheets and really talked about the travel hacking. They love it. I just canceled a bunch of credit cards because I was just like, that's just I don't like that much stuff floating out there. I get it. I understand all the points. I got all the points. I used them. But I think I'm think i going to take a pause from travel hacking just because I don't want to keep dealing with it. But there are a lot of people that really enjoy it. And that's great. And it, as Stephen said, they game it. And that's how they get enjoyment out of it. They see progress. You see a chart that goes from bottom left up to the right that makes them feel good. That means progress. But as I see people get older and have conversations with the, I'd say probably our age where 43 right now, but I would say about in the 40s and, and up, that's when some of those conversations do start to shift into what are you doing with your extra time? Many of those people haven't yet achieved their fine number or have accumulated enough, but they're already leaning forward because maybe they've seen things in the world or experienced certain things that have mattered to them or that have challenged them and they want to impact change long-term. So they do think about those things. And so I, I imagine there's same people who are who are really X's and O's in it right now for the, how much, what percentage of my net worth increased this month. I think those same conversations, those same people were going to be shifting in, in their vision as time goes by, as, which is natural. We all grow. We're talking
1: with Stephen Boyer, founder and creator of Camp Phi a series of immersive financial independence meetups across the United States and David Boyer, the force behind which features a 52 lesson course that introduces you to the concepts behind financial independence. We are going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is Earn and Invest. Listen. Everyone and their brother seems to be making a fortune off of real estate. But the truth of the matter is, you don't do better until you know better. So if you want to know more about real estate, where can you go? Well, I go to the Real Estate and Financial Independence podcast with Coach Carson. They're the coach tells us about real estate in multiple ways. One is he has guests who are proof of concept, real life examples of how people have used real estate to make it to financial independence. And then he has solo episodes where he tells us all the tips and tricks of the industry. Check them out. It's the Real Estate and Financial Independence podcast with Coach Carson. Take a listen. You won't regret it. We are back with David and Stephen Boyer, the Brothers Fi. David, let's talk about the younger financial independence community. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Tell me some of the younger creators that you've been watching lately. Who's out there? Who is changing the FIRE community?
0: We have met a number of people. And prior to Camp Fives, Stephen, we go through a list and, and Steven gets some information. Maybe, maybe he gets ages. I'm not sure, but, but he gets also of stories. I think he does some homework on the attendees and then he'll see like a 19 year old or an 18 year old or a 24 year old that decides to show up at a camp Phi And then they show up and they're so mentally sharp. They seem so much mature for their age than I ever was at that age. And you just sit back and you look like, Oh my goodness, this, this person is going to really, if they choose to, they're going to make a lot of, a lot of positive change in the world. And that's very exciting to see. I'd say our first taste of that was, was Stephen, three years ago, I think, or four years ago at Camp Fi in Florida with Cody Berman. And he's gone on to have his, I'm I'm sure he's been on your podcast. I'm sure you probably have been on his podcast, but he seems to have at a very early age, he was 19 or 20, I think at the time, had already started his own business. And he's gone on to do so many great things. And he's personally helped me out with some of the phyology stuff too, which I greatly appreciate. But Lee Richardson is another individual that's out there. Steven, please jump in because I know you've had many more conversations uh, with these young people than I have uh, because you've attended many more campfires than me. Yeah, something that excites me is the future because a lot of us older folks like to say, you know, if I had only found this community sooner, you know wh- wh- how would my life be different? Being able to provide this experience for people, you know, it's all inclusive. You know, it, it's uh, it, it welcomes everyone, all ages, and so. But but some there are some standouts that come. You know, especially with younger people who who attend on their own. Like in Virginia, we just had a kid who hasn't even graduated high school yet buy a ticket, show up without his parents. He just did it all on his own. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's just an amazing thing. So I just think, man, wow, it would have been really great to have that when I was 19 or 18. But then again, was I in a place that I would have been open to it? I'd like to think so. But, you know, who knows? What does it say? Whenever the student is ready, the teacher will show up or something like that. Is that the the phrase? So in many camps, there are a lot of standouts. You know, we've had uh, a kid named Javi, a young guy, early 20s. In Texas, a young woman named Connie in Texas. These are people who just have this energy and are sharp and they're going to be great ambassadors for the personal finance and financial independence message moving forward. A lot of them don't do blogs, but they do do a lot of posting on like Instagram and Twitter. And that's something that I haven't been really great at. So it's cool to see what the younger people are doing and how they're getting their messages out. Yeah, that's interesting.
1: As opposed to doing the blogging or podcasting thing, they're really using TikTok and Instagram and some of these other social platforms that if you are of a certain age, they don't feel as comfortable to you. David, we've been talking about the future of the financial independence community being bright. Let's talk about your future. Where do you think you'll be in 10 years? So you've just retired, you've left the military. What's going to happen a
0: decade from now in your life? reason why I'm not answering because I don't think there's a possible answer to that question, but I will say that I'm excited for whatever it's going to be the who knows what's going to be in 10 years. But right now we've relocated to San Diego. So we've taken up residence. And so I imagine I will be here probably for the next 10 years, maybe try, my, try to find my footing in the, the local financial independ, independence community here. Jennifer Moss has done a great job and we'll meet up again soon to chit chat about where I can add value locally or I gain value of course. As far as phyology, I think I'm just going to take one, one step at a time. It's something that I have not lately uh, been putting so much effort in because of the transition, but it's something I do look forward to getting back into and help grow again. And my intention with that is maybe reach out to some of the high schools. I'm sure there are some some red tape to cut through, but see if some high schools and or private schools or maybe some homeschooling networks could find some benefit in using those. So that's... One of the things I'd like to do in the next few months to try to figure that that part out and see if we can make some progress that way.
1: Steven, do you see yourself running Camp Fize a decade from now?
0: I do. I do. You know, I, I believe a lot in the experience and the change that it can make at an individual level. I don't see all those. Never really expected that I would, but I've gotten enough feedback to know that it does make a difference. And I don't think that 10 years from now, that's going to be any different. I see me. I see as long as there's a demand for it, I, I hope to be the person that's able to provide that experience for people.
1: Well, Stephen and David, I wanted to thank you for being on this show. Your story reminds me of two things. One is the power of having someone by your side who understands what you're into, who understands your personal beliefs, whether it be about personal finance or other things. The other is how much you can affect a community by just showing up and being there. I think both of you guys are great examples of people who are part and parcel of this FIRE community, who've consistently showed up behind the scenes and done the work. I totally appreciate you. I appreciate what you've put out there in the world. In case anyone wants to connect with you online, let me start with you, Stephen. Where can they
0: find you? Well, I'm on Facebook, Stephen Boyer. S-T-E-P-H-E-N-B-A-U-G-H-I-E-R. You can find me. It's easy. That's a very uncommon last name. So you'll have one selection probably. And you can reach out to uh, campfi.org is my email. Campfi.org at gmail.com. It's c dot at gmail.com. And if you're interested in uh, knowing what's going on with the camps, you can go to campfi.org. And David, if people want to reach out to you or want to know more, how can they? I definitely want to learn more about the people out there as well. So please reach out to me uh, at www.phiology.com. Just contact, and then it'll send an email right to my inbox and I will respond. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself,
1: I'd like to thank the Brothers Phi, David and Stephen Boyer. That's a wrap. Have you been to a Camp Fi yet? In this episode, we talked about Camp Fi. These are retreats throughout the year at multiple locations where like-minded individuals get together to talk about financial independence. We have one coming up September 3rd through 6th in Minnesota that is the Camp Fi Midwest. You can learn more by going to campfi.org. That's campfi.org. I remember the first Camp Fi I went to. It was actually a Camp Fi Midwest in Minnesota two years ago. I had such a blast. At the time, I was still a busy practicing physician, and I was trying to build up the courage to leave my practice. I knew I was financially independent, but I wasn't ready yet to leave a job, a job, unfortunately, that wasn't fulfilling my sense of purpose, identity, nor connections. I went to this Camp Fi, I met some amazing people like Leif Daline, the physician on fire who's going to be at Camp Fi Midwest this September 3rd, as well as JL Collins, Tanya Hester, Gwen Mers. I can't tell you how many cool people I got to hang out with, but it wasn't just the content creators. It was actually everyday people like you and I You could discuss what was going on in our lives. We could talk about our financial independence dreams, and we could put together plans of what to do next. These are life-changing events. I really suggest you check one out this year. We have one coming up September 3rd. There are still tickets available to Camp Fi Midwest. Just go to campfi.org. That's campfi.org. Check it out, and I will be there and would love to see you. Cool. Thanks. Anything we didn't talk about that you guys want to talk about?
0: How are you doing? It's been a while since you have spoken.
1: I'm good. You know, busy. Between kids, doing the podcast. Um, I did eventually sign a book deal with Ulysses Press. So congratulations. I do want to write this book, which is going to be about what taking care of the terminally ill and dying has taught me about money and life, and so I'm in the process of writing. My goal is to have it written by December, and it will be coming out in summer of 2022.
0: Well, let me know. Keep me informed, and along the way, if you want, I enjoy reading uh, other people's manuscripts as they write it. So, if you think I can add any value. Yeah, I need as much help as I can get. I'm glad to proofread. If you know, write a chapter, want to send it my way. Look for the obvious, whatever the commas, whatever it is, and and it's interesting. Thankfully, I'll
1: have so through Ulysses, I'll have an editor and a designer and all those kind of things. So things like commas, actually, I don't worry about. It's more getting everything I want to say in a clear and organized way together. One thing I've realized is. Like, so this just probably like most things with me is it will be, it's going to end up being very philosophical and much less how to, right. So it's going to be much more about kind of the things that trap us and why, and, and kind of what role money should play in our lives in general. Right. Um, yeah. Cause I think there's just, there are a lot of traps there, right. You know, one of the traps, one of the most obvious traps is seeing money as your ultimate goal. Right. Um And I have all sorts of stories dealing with people in hospice about how money became the most important thing in their life and how it didn't allow them to reach their goals. Um, But I think there there are lots of other kind of subtexts and sub stories about things we kind of get wrong about money. Like I think one thing the FIRE community got really wrong is it's complete rejection of YOLO as well as opportunity, as well as this idea of opportunity cost so like i think the fire community needs not to be so harsh on yolo i think sometimes you only live once and spending that way is actually gratifying and and that you do experience some things that are once in a lifetime things and you should should at times do that and i think this whole idea of opportunity cost we have all messed up that like if you Buy something you really like and enjoy it for ten years. It's worthless because that same money could be put in the stock market and could be worth millions now. I, I like. I think there's all these philosophies there that actually don't don't speak to our deeper needs of who we mm. are as people. So it's it's going to be fairly, I think, philo- philosophical.
0: I like that idea too because I like reading stuff that is kind of a little bit gr- not gray but philosophical. So can you hear me? I think I froze. I can hear you, okay. but you can't, okay, your good.
1: your audio, your video is not aligned. Okay. So I, I think I might be
0: back now. Yeah, anyway. you are. Okay. I like that idea because I don't go to church very much, but I like to go because they'll say something and I might not even know necessarily what passage in the Bible is or its ultimate meaning, but I like walking out of there, having something to think about and deliberate it on and how I can reflect it in my own life. Yeah, so yeah. if you write a book that, it's not necessarily a how-to step-by-step and it's, it's thoughts and it's expression. People also take a lot of value from that. I'm one of those people. So I look forward to reading it and sharing it. Yeah, I appreciate that. And so the big, you know, the
1: there'll be a big push to just write it. Um, I, I had various, I actually wrote a good 60,000 words on what I wanted it to be in the beginning, just without editing, just sat down for like a week or two and just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. Um, then I got an agent and worked with an editor on cleaning up my book proposal and cleaning up like an introduction in a first chapter. So now I'm in the process of taking what I already wrote and fixing it, cleaning it up, reorganizing it and starting to put it into more proper chapters. So I'm about, I think I'm, I'm working on chapter four now, and the book is going to be an introduction, 10 chapters and a conclusion, but the introduction conclusion are basically chapters too. So it's 12 chapters and I'm, I'm just finishing up with my fifth, but I think it's a long road. Like you write, and then you go back and you edit and then you send it to your editor and they change it around. And so, so it'll be, it'll be interesting, but I, I have, I worked with an editor to do my book proposal and, and I have a good out, we have a good outline of what I think the book should be. So I know what's what should come in each chapter and why it's just a matter of getting the, N- collating the material, putting it in the right place, and then cleaning it up. Because when I went back and looked at my 60,000 words, there's a lot of repetition, a lot of stories that are disjointed, a lot of language that just isn't as pleasing as it could be.
0: Well, that's why you have editors too. And of course, you'll do a lot of that as you go, but and yeah. clean it up just because that's what you'll catch. But it's a process. Yeah. No. Anybody, anybody who writes anything, as you know, you read, do a lot of writing. Do you still do a lot of writing on your blog?
1: No, not as much. Mostly I spend my time... so. I do most of the creative stuff I do is still the podcast.
0: Yeah, because even if I want to write a, if I'm either editing a blog post that someone submitted to Phyology Mm -hmm. or if it's something that I've written, I will spend hours and hours going back through thinking, Yeah, and that's just, that's just a blog post. So you're looking at a 60,000 word plus manuscript, you can only imagine. It's a good thing. It sounds like you've got, Apollo's got a good team to support you on the back end. And hopefully that works out for you.
1: Yeah, it'll. So when you sign the dotted line with the press, then they provide their own people. So we'll Mm -hmm. see. Like, I hope I hope I mesh. So I have a good agent who I really like, but we'll see if I mesh with the editor from the press. I hope I do. I hope I really like her. And she does a great job because I know I know I can come up with the ideas and the stories, but a really good editor can make your can make your writing sing. And that's that's what the editor I hired did. Um, But I don't. It's way too expensive to hire her to help me write the whole book. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I was actually honored. I got some emails from J.L. Collins. He's writing a new book, and yes, yeah, he he chapters. He may yeah. maybe send them to you too. I don't know, but yeah. he started sending me some chapters to proofread and give my opinion. Yeah. Probably. A am yeah absolutely
1: yeah he's i just jl and i talk all the time so you know he's yeah. he's in fact he sent me something I, I need to read i just haven't had had a chance been so overwhelmed i read like yeah. four books a day or, or four books a week or something like between wow. just for the podcast everyone has a book so it's like like tomorrow i'm interviewing someone who's a 300 page book and then on friday i haven't even started the book but there's a 115 page book i gotta read for that and uh,
0: See, if we were authors or bloggers or whatever, you would have research to do, and, well, and you'd have to lead this stuff or listen. You, know,
1: I, you guys are easy. I just know you. I can't wait to see you guys in person. Uh, you're So I'm going to be – Stephen, you're going to be obviously at the Camp Fi. David, you're not going to Camp Fi Midwest,
0: I assume? I don't know. Uh, when is that, Stephen? Labor Day, September.